And welcome to another edition, a very special edition of Across the County. And I have to tell you, if you're hearing this uh, as of the recording, this is actually my last show on Across the County. And not because I don't like the show, not because something has happened to me, uh, but there's been given an opportunity for me where I'm actually going to be leaving the airwaves, at least on uh, this particular avenue of the show. And I could not think of a better way on Across the County to close things out. It's going to be a two-part message, most likely, than with my next guest. And before I get to that guest, I want you to head to this website, which you can peruse during the discussion. That's spreckelsorgan.org. Now, the Spreckles Organ Society, they're great. And that's the nonprofit I actually kind of want to finish with here on the show. They are a 501c3 nonprofit. Now, what do they do? They were founded in 1988 to preserve program and promote the Spreckles organ as a, not just San Diego treasure, no, as a world treasure. And we're going to get into that with our guests here in just a moment. And all the concerts that's performed that you hear on a weekly basis each weekend at the Spreckles organ, they're free. You can go down there and check them out. And that's because of the 1915 deed of gift. And this is where a couple of brothers, John and Adolph Spreckles, they gave the organ to the city of San Diego. And that's what the organ society is there for. They work to cooperatively work with the city of San Diego to fulfill and expand upon that promise. I mean, go to that website, but we are having our final guest here on the show. And that is one Raul Prieto Ramirez. And he is a treasure. If you ask me, I see him in concerts each and every weekend down there at the Oregon pavilion. Raul, welcome to across the County, my friend. I can't wait to get into it with you. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. This is such a, a wonderful introduction of you and congratulations for the new direction in your life. Well, I appreciate uh, that. Now, Raul is the organs, San Diego civic organist. He's there most weeks performing such great pieces of all varieties. And I really think you're going to find something for you that will resonate in your soul each week. Now, I want to start at the very beginning, Raul, with you and your love for music. Where did it begin? Oh, Lord, no. I, you know, that's one of those things is difficult to actually track back. It's, it's like my first memories in life were filled with music. My mother was always singing uh, uh, copla, which is a southern Andalusian style of, of music, popular music. And she was singing all those coplas all day long. And I would, since, since I have my first memories as a child, uh, I was listening here, seeing, and so, I don't know, it was really very smooth. It's like music was always part of my life, and it never really uh, came. It just, it was just part of it. That's interesting. Now, as far as your musical background goes, when did you start studying it? Because I know there must have hit a point in your youth where you're like, this is what I want to do for my career. Yeah. I love playing it. <laughs> and then upon that, what led you to pursue such a complex instrument, such a wonderful instrument like the organ? Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I always enjoy listening to music a lot. And, and I was one of those kids who would listen to music like two or three hours a day. And I would listen to everything. I would listen to Pink Floyd and any kind of uh, uh, Led Zeppelin and things like that. But I would also listen to Schubert and Mozart and Bach. So for me, that was not really a difference in, 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 for me, those were like different styles that would fulfill my soul in different ways. And it was part of the richness uh, uh, of music. So 
when I was 15, I was really uh, thinking of pursuing a career into uh, philosophy and writing. And I went to a larger city in order to be able to pursue that career. And I got also into a conservatory of music to study uh, music. And eventually, through those years, I got into the theories of a very famous uh, orchestra conductor, Sergio Celibidake, who was in the Berlin Philharmonic first and the Munich Philharmonic later in his life. And his ideas about what music really means for society really struck me to the point and to the depth in my heart that I thought, well, if there is something really worth spending a life on, is this, is making this music happen live, not on recording, but live, and providing these live experiences to people as a community. And I thought that was so honorable. Uh, it changed my mind 15 years old and pursued a career as a musician. So composition was first. I played violin. I played the traverse flute. I, I did uh, years of conducting. And the organ was really the instrument that I found would allow me to do much more as an artist. Um, it's an instrument that is like an entire orchestra in your hands. You don't need to deal with expensive rehearsals and, and things like that. It's just you and the instrument. And, you know, it takes a lot of years to learn to play it well. But once I got there, it, uh, I would choose the same path if I would be born again. And we'll get to that and how the organ works here in just a moment, because it, it's actually so fascinating. And I love hearing you talk about it, Raul, each and, and every week, because you do give a little behind the scenes there with the organ and the just the many different pieces of it. But you mentioned something that I, that I want to piggyback off of because it's so important. And that is the importance. I wasn't going to ask you this, but it, it, it's it's something that I feel in my soul as well. The importance of music in humanity and in the world especially when you go through, you know, some and every decade has them, you know, tough times, certain things in chaos. One thing that we can always go back to each and every one of us, depending on our likes and dislikes and music is music is calming and music actually inspires us and music can be there as a safe place. And so that's why when you bring this to the particular audience that you do each and every week and you tell the behind the scenes stories about the particular pieces, you're going to find something. I believe each and every week, somebody out there is going to find something that resonates within their soul and it's going to move them in ways that you couldn't possibly imagine. Yeah, it's absolutely surprising. I, uh, most weeks when I arrived the first year before the pandemic, I was surveying the audience on a weekly basis uh, to know where they, their heart was. So they were basically uh, voting for their favorite piece of music. And it was very interesting how people appreciate to have some fun Broadway thing uh, and some arrangements and popular. But when it was really time to vote number one, they always went for high quality emotional music. I understand most of the audience there would not really be willing to spend like 90 minutes or 60 minutes, one hour of their life listening to that music on a Sunday 2 p.m. But having all that variety exposed them to something fun and then something deep and being able to uh, make that journey for your soul from one to the other in the same venue and surrounded by people from all different, you know, social statements, different social economics and cultural background. That's what matters to me because the thing with music is, uh, unlike painting or poetry that rely on uh, symbols, you, when you paint a house, that's not a house. That's a representation of a house. But in music, when you play something that is sad or emotional or happy, 
it's not a symbol. It is emotional. It's like being in the house. So music really evolves you and take you into that different world. And, you know, for you, Noah, for me, when we are sitting there listening to music and make us feel different things, when you look around in that Balboa Park, because it's free, I mean, people don't have to pay a, a, a ticket to get into that concert. The variety of people is such huge variety. And you look around and see, wow, what I'm feeling with this particular music, that person is feeling the same thing. And they look completely different from me. They come from a different country. They speak a different language. And they look very different as well. So that idea that different people from different races, different languages, different countries, they can feel the same thing you and I feel with that music, that unifies everybody. That reminds us that we are human beings no matter where we come from. And that's something music can definitely do because it uses no language and no symbol. It's just direct. So for me, there is really a, it's, there's nothing more honorable in life for me that devote my life to make those uh, life experiences happen over and over and over. That's fantastic. And I have to tell you, when you're playing the music, I watch you a lot and the energy you put into it. But then I also, at various moments, I look out throughout the crowd because that stuff fascinates me. And what you just said is true. I see people that are little tiny kids. I see people my kids' age in their young 20s. I myself am in my 40s. I see people my age. I see older couples. And everybody seems to be having a good time no matter what particular piece is played. And it seems that they can resonate in some way with what you are playing. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and and you, you also see the right point. I mean, Many of those audiences, and nowadays, many of the audiences, they we expose them to music that they, they have never heard before. The music media, the music companies are so powerful, and they have been so good to push for their products so people buy them, that most people out there, they have lost connection with their music heritage in general. We have music written uh, uh consistently from 1400 different style different feelings and all that richness is out there but people are completely disconnected they are always pushing to the new thing the new thing coming uh, because that's how these companies make money so from my perspective being able to put that music out there and make people think like well i never heard about this guy this composer or this remember sometimes i play this french baroque music and i explain them about dinners yeah. in paris and people really love those three short pieces I played for Rudy Nicola Clarembo, written in 1713. And they, they really stand up and they clap and they, they cheer and they love that music. And it's like, well, you never heard about this music. Now, you know it's there. You don't need to just buy whatever comes on the radio. You can actually research and broaden, make, uh, make your, your available possibilities as a music uh, people, person who enjoy music much more broad. And, and enjoy different things depending on the day, you know. One day, sunny day in San Diego, you may want to listen to Beach Boys. But another day, you may be willing to listen to some Bach on some Beethoven or something different. And that's a richness that I would like people to actually know that they, they can get. It's right there. And I think that it, that's what's interesting. I think if you literally just went there and you didn't speak and you just played straight through the music, there would definitely be enjoyment. But because you give a behind the scenes, not just of the mood of the piece, but you give also, you'll take a composer or whoever has written that particular piece of music and you'll talk about why they wrote it or the time of life that they were in. And I think that is something also that draws people into the music and then they can actually make more of an understanding about the piece that they're listening to. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I try not to. Well, I, th- I think some some colleagues tend to be too academic. They try to they explain the audio something they can find on Wiki, Wikipedia or a dictionary. I think it's more about uh, giving them uh, some a glimpse of what to listen for. Even even some of the stories I explain are true. Some of the stories are a little bit twisted. They are not completely true. But my my idea is to get people interested and get people to understand what they have to listen for. And the trick is to catch their attention. Because of the tradition of of watching TV, uh, most people have an attention span of between three to five minutes. So when a piece is longer than that, for people it's very hard to keep the attention. If you explain them what to expect and what to listen for, then you keep them more engaged into the music and they may not be aware, but they, the attention is uh, expand and, and they get to actually get those more difficult pieces. And it's just a matter of knowing what to listen for. And that's my goal is to being able in about 35, uh, 40 seconds to give people listen for this, this and this, and you will get this, that and that. And it seems to work for most people. So I keep doing it. <laughs> Uh, I, I think you I mean, and you ask every single week, you ask usually for a raise of hands of who's new to San Diego or if this is the first time at the organ. And I'm just amazed each and every week. There's a lot of regulars, I notice, but there's a lot of people that are brand new that you had never seen before. And I think that's something special as well that the organ has to offer. Oh, yeah. And that, that place is absolutely unique uh, worldwide in that respect, because uh, many, many musical institutions all over the world are. Uh, turning in the last uh, seven to 10 years more into education. And the, the problem is they see their audiences uh, dying away and going down. And they have seen in, in engaging into education a way to, uh, let's say, prepare the audiences for the future. And in the spring and Sorghum Pavilion, we don't have that problem. The audience is always there. So we can actually focus on just getting them to know more music and getting them interested in more different styles of music, which I think is much more honest. So the fact that we have this deed of gift and the concerts have to be free and all sorts of people come to this because it's not apart. If there is really an instrument that can serve as a tool to uh, introduce people to music they would maybe never listen to, that's definitely the Spreaker's organ pavilion in Balboa Park. It's absolutely key. And that's one of the reasons I moved here. I thought uh, I, I was instrumental in developing educational uh, projects for music with the Spanish National Orchestra in Madrid Concert Hall and also within my festival in Barcelona. But uh, this place, by nature, is doing that. It was donated to do that, to open, broaden music knowledge, uh, offer everybody a window into that broad music the heritage that they have. So that's why I'm here. It's, it's, it's the best place. I think there is no other place in the world that can give so much access, life to different styles of music. So that's what we do. And I mean, so far it's working very well. So we'll keep doing that. But it's really unique. And it's, it's really one of the best places in the world to actually do that. I mean, I completely agree. Noah here and across the county with... Uh 
kind of a bittersweet moment for me. This is my final show in Across the County, but uh, new adventures await, and this is definitely, hopefully not the last time that you will hear from me, but definitely here in Across the County as we wrap up Season 4 here with just a tremendous guest, Raul Prito Ramirez. He's the San Diego Civic Organist for the Oregon Society, the Spreckles Oregon Society. They are a great 501c3 nonprofit, and they are what keeps the organ there here in San Diego to be able to be enjoyed by absolutely everybody. So at the summer of nonprofits that we're wrapping up here, I want you to go to the website, spreckelsorgan.org, make a donation, especially if you're there on a regular basis. Maybe you also decide to become a member. My wife and I did, and it's a tremendous blessing to be a part of this great thing in San Diego. I urge you to do the same. Now what I want to do is tell people how amazing, Raul, that the organ is, because I watch all the different things that you do, and I'm just amazed. I mean, you are so passionate. You really get into it, all of your body movement. But give the audience and myself an overview of how the organ works. I mean, I kind of relate it to the piano, but it's like a piano on steroids and the other instruments that are connected to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, when people walk through the ballpark and they see the Spriggan's Organ Pavilion, uh, with the curtain closed, they tend to believe like the organ is somewhere inside in a small room. Well, no, the entire building is the organ. That's what people need to understand. From the basement where the blower, the big blower sits, um, up to the roof. So the instrument has 5,098 pipes. Some of them are small like a pencil. Some of them are so, we have some trumpets that are so big, they are 32 feet long, that they have to be bent over Otherwise, they would break through the roof and, and be seen from the audience. So it's actually huge. I mean, it's the entire building. And in order to work, there are thousands of little parts. The keyboard, we have four keyboards. That's a keyboard for the feet. So you actually have to play with the feet and the hands, which is what makes it so attractive because it's very athletic and very technically challenged for coordination and, and everything. And then those are electric signals that go into the organ. Then there is there are a set of little bellows that use ship's skin and they are filled with uh, high compressed air and then open bulbs that drive the air into the pipes and all pipes are different. We have rib pipes, fuel pipes, wood pipes, metal pipes, all different forms that give different kind of tone colors like clarinet, odwa, flutes, uh, strings like violin or cello. So it's really an entire orchestra in the hands of one single person and the complexity is huge. But the interesting thing is as complex as eating is, absolutely everything is designed and built to work together. So if you change the wind pressure, if you change the size of parts, you start, you change one thing here or there, it's like a castle of cars. It, it all collapses. So it's like a, an alive beam right there. Every time we push the on button and the air starts blowing into it, it just, it just becomes alive and it breathes and, and with the music. What I like, what's great too, is something else that you usually mention. It might not be every week, but it's pretty, it's almost every week is that there's no digital amplification. The sound that people are hearing is literally from the organ itself. And that shows you how powerful this building, this organ actually is. <laughs> Especially this one. Yes, it can be. Sometimes during the pandemic, we used to receive emails and letters from people uh, living around Balboa Park that when we were recording at night the organ, they could hear the organ from their home. And they were writing like, oh, it's so wonderful during the lockdown to be able to open the window and listen to this purpose organ from Malboa Park. So it's, 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 you know, when the, the night is quiet, you can actually listen to the organ from outside Malboa Park. 
I wish I had that in my area. That would actually be... Some people say it's nice living next to the train tracks. I don't know about that, but I'd like to live next to the organ. It would be soothing for me. <laughs> I would rather live close to the organ than close to the train track. But anyway. Exactly. <laughs> it, also, it seems like a very complex instrument. We've already talked about some of that. Now, how similar is it or how different is it to the piano, and this is where I, I'm very curious, do people typically learn piano first before getting into the complexities of the organ? Well, the, the, the problem is, as I told you, the organ is very physical. You, you involve your whole body to play. And part of the reason is all the pedals. We have a keyboard on the feet with 32 notes for the feet. And keys, they, their legs are too short to reach it. So that's why, for practical reasons, most kids start with the piano. And then when they have already coordination and their muscles uh, and, and the flexibility of the muscles in their fingers develop, then they transfer to the organ when they are a little bit older and their legs are long enough to reach the pedal. But uh, in, in my case, it was strange because I started so late. I wanted to play the organ when I was 11, but I couldn't get to an organ until I was 16. So by the time I got to an organ, I already could reach the pedal. So I think I'm kind of an exception. I started directly with the organ. I never played the piano before. But most kids, because of this practical reason that their feet cannot reach the, those 32 pedals uh, for the feet, they, they have to start on a keyboard and that's normally a piano, just for practical reasons. That's something that fascinated me that when I had first, because I'm not going to lie, for years I had walked by, I had heard little bits and pieces of the organ music, enjoyed it, but never stopped. It wasn't literally until just about a little over a month ago that my wife and I sat down for the first time together and I was able to catch an entire performance and I was just fascinated. And that was one of the first things I keyed in on when I sat down and I was watching you perform is I was watching your feet and your feet are moving almost as fast, sometimes as fast as your hands go. And I was trying to say, is that the same as the foot pedals for a piano? And I quickly realized it was exponentially greater. Oh, yeah, it's a whole keyboard. It's, it's like, a, for people with some music knowledge, it's like two octaves and a half, uh, 32 key, 32 notes. So you start counting, and those 32 pedals, you have C, C sharp, D, D sharp, E, F, like, like any other keyboard. And then you have to train your feet to reach the keys. And the most important thing, you need to play them without looking. So I play with my hands, and I have four keyboards on my hands. So I'm jumping to the fourth, back to the third, and to the first, second. And when my feet has to play with the bass, for example, is almost all the time. They need to go wherever they have to go, and I don't have time to look. I cannot have a look to the feet and say, okay, where is the G? Where is the C? No, my feet need to know where they are. And that's an interesting quality of our brain that uh, has some nerve terminations everywhere in our fingers, in, in all our, our feet, that allow us to kind of feel where the position or, 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 of our feet are was the position without looking at them but in the organ we need to as you said we need to put that quality on steroids we need to get to the point where you can be just sitting on the bench and without looking at the pedal know immediately where is the f where is the the g where is the c where is the d without looking at it and it's very interesting because it took like it took me like months to years to develop that quality but once you, you develop that it's kind of magic it's like how how can my feet know where the g is i never look at it but yeah, it knows where it is. So yeah, it's a very interesting, it's kind of an octopus experience. <laughs> I mean, I, talk, I think about walking and chewing gum at the same time as being hard, and you literally have to know where your hands and your feet are at all times to hit the right yeah. note. And, and I think 
seriously, you are so talented to be able to play that with such precision in the way that you do. Well, it takes a lot of practice, and that's one of the reasons why this job in San Diego is extremely it's, it's extremely demanding. So for a musician out there, most of uh, concert artists in piano, in every instrument, they normally have a repertoire that they keep playing through the years, but, but it's mostly the same pieces. Or other artists, they prefer, like uh, some pianists, they prefer one or two repertoires, one or two concerts, one or two shows, and they play that for one or two years in different cities. Here in San Diego, it's the other way around. I need to prepare 52 and be ready every week. Uh, there are some pieces I repeat, especially because I try to help people to get more familiar with this or that piece. So every three, four weeks, I repeat this or that, so people get familiarized with those music. But in general, they, they have to be different. So the amount of practice time I need to invest is huge. And sometimes I wonder if I'm going to be able to have a life with a family. But that's the nature of these jobs. So hey, yeah, if you I don't do have a life, at least you're spreading it. joy to the thousands of people that see the organ on a regular basis. <laughs> Yeah, but this is what it is. When you when you decide to go into the arts, you know that, especially with music, uh, musicians, we are practicing all the time. I have friends who go on tour and they practice violin in the restrooms of the of the airport. So, yeah, yeah. So we are, we are always practicing. Yeah, but this is demanding. But as you once said, it's very rewarding. It's a beautiful life. Amen to that. If you had to pick one, and I know there's several, why to you? Obviously, you, you, you took the job. It's very rewarding, as we just mentioned. Why is the Spreckles organ so important? And not just to San Diego. As we said at the very beginning of the show, it's to be able to make sure that this is enjoyed worldwide. Hmm. It is the largest open-air musical instrument in the world. And it has two parts, important parts to it. From the perspective of Southern California, you need to think that for a businessman like Spreckels uh, to come and say, I'm going to buy an organ for San Diego, uh, for the people of San Diego all over the world, but I don't want the organ to be in a concert hall. I want the organ to be outdoor. Uh, two of the bigger organ building companies in the United States, they responded to say that was a stupid thing that was never going to work. But he persisted. And then this new company from two British smart business engineers uh, Austin, they decided to give it a try. They built it, and after 108 years, they proved right. So that's something that speaks for the uh, kind of entrepreneurship of California. This is a place where someone can come and say, I'm going to build an organ, the most complex musical instrument ever existed in history, and I'm going to make it work outdoor under the weather. And after 108 years, he was right. So that speaks for what California is all about. And then the other side is the instrument was donated, as you well said, uh, we cannot charge tickets to people. We need to use brain power and a lot of it to find ways to fund those concerts. So that's why we always are, are asking for help and volunteers. But um, because the concerts are free, it offered opportunity from people all over the world to have this community experience of, of getting together and, and feel the music well, different styles that would, they would not hear otherwise, and look around and see people of different race, different languages, experiencing the same thing and remind us how human we are. I think that's the reason John D. Sprecher donated the organ to San Diego. San Diego was a very racially diverse city in 1915, and I think he really had that idea in mind that music can really help uh, remind people how we are all human. Um, is there? Is it speaking for that 
fact yet, and we are working hard to make it still be there speaking for what humanity is all about. So that makes it so beautiful that it's worth to protect it and promote it and program it. Yeah, I agree with that. And again, you can catch these concerts. It's uh, right now through the month of August, they have a special 5.30 showtime, but every other time of the year you can catch it at 2 p.m and you know they had to do that for the month of august because as raul likes to say people were baking like chickens out there in the audience and they i mean it's a very serious thing and so they they did this experiment and i loved it for the month of august but normally sunday concerts 2 p.m usually it's rain or shine hurricane hillary canceled it last week but there's going to be one this sunday i've checked the weather there's no hurricanes coming in that's great Again, SpreckelsOrgan.org for the Spreckles Organ Society, the 501c3 nonprofit that helps keep this organ right here in San Diego. And that also helps the amazing organist we're talking to right now, the San Diego Civic Organist, Raul Prito Ramirez, there here in San Diego. And that wraps up part one with my guest, Raul Prito Ramirez, San Diego's Civic Organist of the Spreckles Organ Society. Again, spreckelsorgan.org. Stay tuned for part two next weekend on the final edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me.